Hey, give the worship team a hand this morning, everybody. Got some buzz in here, my goodness. Some of you have spotted one of my colleagues from morning radio. We got young thunder in the house this morning. Stand up, Young Thunder. There's my man right there. Some of you are like, what in the world? Who names a guy Young Thunder? Well, here's how it went. Jesus had sons of thunder. So I thought if I got a radio guy as cool as Jonathan, we got to give him a nickname. So he is uh, Young Thunder. And he's with me every, with about four others with us every morning, 5 to 9 a.m. on Moody Radio, in case you didn't know that. Well, I'm a big fan of uh, watching uh, talent get discovered. Does anyone else like talent being discovered in this world? I love that. I was actually uh, blown away this last week, and I see this as God's providence, really, for this message. And this message today is very, very important. Um, this maybe could be one of the most important uh, set of truths that you will ever assimilate into your life and I've been praying in fact I've been very contemplative this morning it's been a very different day for Pastor Carl I've been down a notch or two here just thinking about what God wants to do in your heart and mind I don't want to give away the punchline let me set it up this way the X Factor in UK discovered a young lady about four years ago great talent I mean great talent her name is actually Grace Davies and she's young and you might you might say, well, Carl, do you, do you, I don't watch X Factor a lot, but I love these discovery things, and so I find these videos on talent discoveries. One of the coolest things going. Well, she actually wrote a song called Roots, and that's what she performed for her audition, and she just kind of stumbled out there and sang the song and just peeled paint. I mean, she brought the house down. And it was just beautiful. As a matter of fact, in case you want to know for later, you can download it on Spotify. It just got released here four days ago. It's been four years before she released it, but it's called Roots by Grace Davies, and just an amazing talent. But this year, I'm going to get choked up just saying this, and I don't know if it's my dad in me um, that looks at this girl like this, but, you know, artists have a way of singing the truth, don't they? There's something about music that cuts through all the window dressing. You pull back the curtains, and you kind of bring it all out there. Well, Grace Davies was talking about her new release of a song here this year. It was when COVID was hot and heavy, and she lives in London, and she was online, and I think she's probably struggled with some image issues of, as, as we're going to discover today, all of us have. But she was battling away this year, and uh, she penned a song that I think captures the essence from a 24-year-old girl's heart to your ears really captures what a lot of us battle with if we're honest. This is through the lens of a very young woman, but I think it is so reflective of our culture today. Here's Grace Davies singing, I Met a Boy Online. I met a boy online We talk all the time He lives in my city and tells me I'm pretty Does he know he lies? I met a boy online I wish he was mine But it's just a distraction It won't ever happen He's wasting his time 
Many of you have been diminished by what you think of yourself. Some of you have been distracted from your calling in life because of wrong thinking. But make no mistake about this. What we think about ourselves has impacted all of us in a significant way. You to pray with me. Father, as we bust into your word today, I pray that you would pull away uh, the window dressing long enough for us to see not only what we've believed wrongly, but who we are in you. Thank you that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Thank you that we died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Thank you that he who began a good work in us will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Thank you that adversity brings perseverance and perseverance hope and hope will not disappoint. And I pray from the bottom of my heart that every person would be touched by your grace and power today and that minds would be healed. In Jesus' name, amen.
want to talk with you today in this um, series that we're in called Come Alive, where self-help ends and God's power begins. I want to talk about thinking truth this morning. In Romans 12, 1 through 2, Romans 12, 1 through 2, we find, I would say, some of the most essential truths that we can possibly have about thinking truth. Romans 12, 1 through 2 states, and hang on because verse 3 might surprise you a bit, and I'm going to read that to you independent of what's on the screen. Paul is writing here, and he says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. In other words, worship is about laying down our lives. This is why worship is so much more than from 10 to 11.30 here or whatever the time is, wherever you are and what culture you're in. It's here. But look at what he goes on to say. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. I want to give you a baseline understanding, not only from the word, but as a pastor who's been in the people business a lot of years. Please hear my heart here. Thinking rightly is the most critical factor in life transformation. I mean this. God shows us, he calls us out of darkness, but this whole growth process with God, this sanctification process, this growing up in our relationship with God is about thinking rightly. It is the most critical factor of life transformation. Now I want to illustrate for you because sometimes we think that the issues that we're up against and the battles that we're facing are really insecure thoughts that we have about ourselves, but it can be prideful as well. The interesting thing about Romans 12, 1 through 2 is you might think, yeah, God, I, I maybe think too little of myself, but Paul writes, let me just read it for you, for by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment. You say, well, what's going on here, Pastor Carl? Let me give you a phenomenon in the spiritual life that is staggeringly true. We can both be radically insecure and beaten down by words that were said to us recklessly many years ago and at the same time be prideful. It's possible to coexist in those two spheres at the very same moment. Just recently, I had someone that I was asking a question about, and they were, they were battling with something, and there were just tears pouring down their face. And, and I, was, I was at the airport and just sending them off and saying, I just, I want to help you. I'm here for you. And, but this is what you need to do. And I gave them a big holy why in the road of something that they needed to do. And those tears dried up, and they said, no, I'm not doing that. Isn't it amazing about us? We can flip. 8.30, we can be prideful. 8.30, so insecure, we can barely get ourselves out of the restroom to go talk to a group of people in the hall. It's a weird thing. That is the nature of man. As God begins to redeem us, though, and transforms us by the renewal of our mind, we get to live differently. And I'm going to give you this now. I feel prompted of the Spirit to give it to you right now, but I need you to hear my heart. Some of you in this room need to not make any more big decisions in your life until you get this squared right between your ears with God. 
One of the craziest things that we can possibly do is for any of you to make big, life-altering decisions without knowing who you are in Jesus, how much he loves you, and how you have nothing to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to lose. You know, there's two ways to fall off any high ridge. If you listen to me and Young Thunder and our colleagues in the morning ever, you know this for sure. One of the big metaphors that God's given me that's a metaphor for life is staying up on this high ridge. Seems like that's what God calls us to all the time, is to this high ridge living, and staying on that ridge requires utter dependence on God. So your big, brave pastor has a lot of adventure in my blood, no doubt about it, but I've got a holy fear of heights. People have asked me before, have you gone skydiving? No. What kind of a person would jump out of a perfectly good plane with a picking bed sheet over your head? You gotta be, woo! So I'm like, no, I'm not going skydiving. Are you kidding me? But I've, uh, I've climbed some mountains before, and it was absolutely terrifying. One of the ones that I tackled was in Hatcher Pass outside of Anchorage, Alaska. It's an old mining pass where millions of tons of, of gold ore were extracted from many years ago. But there's all of these caves that you can go into and explore and we were glassing, that's a term for using binoculars, we were glassing the hills and looking around through our binoculars and we saw way up on this hill this little teeny dark, dark black dot and we thought that might be a cave. And they said, let's go. And so I'm game, I'm up with them. And right as we're ascending, now we went up uh, probably about four or 5,000 feet just scampering up mountains. When we got up to the final little stretch that we had to go, I came up over a rise down, and then we had to make an ascent, and I'm like, oh, no, this is the worst thing in the world. I've come all this way, and now i got to turn around. They scampered up the ridge, and I'm like, how do they do that? I'm like, I can't do that. Because, no kidding, you fall down one side, you are going to die. Shale, ridge, cliffs, you fall the other side, true story, it would have been better to fall on the other side. <laughs> Fact. And there's no getting out of this in a good way. So I try to stand up on this ridge, and that shale's all sketchy, and I'm like, there's no way. So I did what any grown man's to do. I got down on that ridge, and I hugged it like I was a wet rag over a railing. <laughs> and I looked ridiculous and I'm shuffling my way up that ramp, and I'm shuffling my way up, and my friends are up at the top going, what a weenie, Clausen, look at you, man. What's the matter with you? You Randy, I did it on, ah, look at this guy. It was humiliating. We got into the cave. We actually found some pickaxes that had been walked away from. When they were done with the job, they walked away. There was a pair of gloves and a pickaxe right there at the entrance, just sitting there. Hadn't been touched in maybe 40, 50 years. But as we came back down, I shimmied back down that thing again. And although they made fun of me that day, I learned something that day. There's a high ridge in everything in life, and both sides are very, very dangerous. And so it is with what we think about what God thinks about us. There's two ways and two kinds of wrong thinking that I just want to quickly give you before we jump into a powerful central passage of Scripture. The first kind of wrong thinking is this. It is self-loathing. Thinking less of ourselves than God thinks of us. Fair enough? And that can be a really dangerous one, and we're going to tackle that one today. 
But the other kind of wrong thinking is self-elevating, thinking more of ourselves than we actually think of God. This was a great problem for some of the great saints of old. They got lulled to sleep into thinking that somehow they were elevated above God. Now, here's the danger. You think less of yourself without knowing it, and you think more of yourself than God without knowing it because we have too much clutter and noise. This is why Grace Davies' song was so beautiful. I met a boy online. And then she begins to pour out her heart in the quietness of her room as she pens this song, pulling away all the weeds from clear thinking. I got to tell you guys something. It is imperative that we climb to the high ridge, and I don't care if we got to drape ourselves over it like a rag on a rail. I don't care if people laugh at you or take shots at you. I think of a young girl that my bride uh, mentored who was going through ritualistic satanic abuse as a child. And this precious girl was a, a, one of the most competitive gymnasts you can imagine. And when my bride began to mentor this girl, I was blown away to see the recovery in this girl. And I, I sat down with her one day and Janan over lunch, and I, I looked at her, and I'm trying to keep from saying her name here, and I said, young lady, how is it that you're getting over all this stuff? And she looked at me and she said, well, Pastor Carl, I've got three-by-five cards that I carry with me, and I've got these monster post-it notes and I've put them up on my mirror and I have just enough mirror to get myself ready in the morning but most of my mirror is dominated with scriptural truth and she goes if you go into my car and you look on the dashboard you're going to see scripture about who I am in Jesus because I'm trying to reprogram years of being told I am a product for men Whoa. And that girl's walking. I wish I could give you details. I can't, but let me just tell you, if you knew the inside scoop, you'd be blown away because this girl is walking in such huge spiritual victory. It's almost hard to get our minds around. The stuff that God has her doing can only be attributed to a God who renewed her mind. Maybe one of my favorite passages for how to climb the high ridge and think truth is found in Colossians 3, 1 through 4. Look at this little passage. I love this so much. I have it memorized in about three different translations. That's the problem with getting old and having read the Bible in multiple translations. You've got an amalgamation of things in your head, right, Duncan? I'm not calling you old, just calling you... Colossians 3, 1 through 4, look at what we find here. If then, Paul says, you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. This is key. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. This is very important, but so we've got this. If you've been reborn, set your mind, but here's the why. When you're studying Scripture, 
always ask the question, right, Young Thunder? What's the why? We do it every morning on radio. What's the why? Here's the why. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Wow. I want to give you two takeaways that I couldn't put into little pithy sound bites. So let me give them to you here. Here's the first one. Getting comfortable with who you are. Getting comfortable with who you are is never going to help you. But being confident of who you are in Christ is what really matters. I need you to hear me. I don't want you to get comfortable with who you are. Who you are is a man that, or a woman that was born with their back to God. And when we were born with our back to God, we accumulated a lot of shame and a lot of guilt and a lot of stuff in our life. And when God turned us around, he made us new. He makes all things new. He makes all things new. So as you turn, you are now new in Jesus Christ. And so even a lot of Christians today get caught up on, well, should I just, I'm just going to do me. I want to appeal to you today. Don't do you. Do Christ in you. That's the difference. Getting comfortable with who you are is never going to help you, but getting confident of who you are in Christ, whoo, that'll change everything. You ever hear about Johnny Lingo? Got to tell you about Johnny Lingo. Johnny Lingo is a fictitious character in South Pacific Island. Quite a dude. This is an old story that was told. It's kind of an urban myth, but it's got power to it. Johnny Lingo was looking at the women in the village in which he was raised, and he wanted to get married, and he had his eyes on different ones. Johnny Lingo, big, tough, brute dude, man. So everyone in the community figured who he was going to kind of hook up with. Not Johnny Lingo. Came time for him to do some serious courting. And he actually got his eyes on Muhana. Now, Muhana was an interesting girl in that she was really skinny. And that wasn't good on that island. And she was so insecure, she had her shoulders hunched over. This little story, when it first came out in black and white, was just absolutely epic. She had her shoulders hunched over, and she's a skinny little gal, and now she's older, so she's less desirable. Well, when a man courted a woman in the South Pacific Island, he had to come to daddy with a little payoff. Kind of be good if they did this today, as a matter of fact. No, I'm just thinking. <laughs> so he came to Johnny Lingo's time to look at Muhammad's dad, and he walked up to Muhammad's dad outside the hut there, beautiful day, and walks up to Muhammad's dad. Muhammad's dad was like blown away. Johnny Lingo, you want my daughter? And the dialogue goes on a little bit, and they're starting to barter a bit, and the dad strikes a deal with Johnny Lingo, and he says, she's like a, like a three-cow woman. Okay. Three-cow woman. Some of the girls in the area had gone for like four-cow or five-cow, but the top end was like a six-cow woman. That's as high as it went, man. The day came for Johnny to get Muhammad swept off her feet crazy story almost makes me cry 
Johnny Lingo comes around the corner and they start counting them off. One cow, two cow, three cow, four cow, five cow, six cow, seven, eight cows. Johnny Lingo walks in there, got them all in tow, walks up to Mahama's daddy and says, here you go. And the father looks at Johnny Lingo and he says, what are you doing? He says, I'm giving you what your daughter's worth. The townspeople are laughing. Johnny Lingo grabs Mahama up, puts his arm around her. They walk out to a dugout canoe to go away for their one-year honeymoon. The story fast-forwards. One year later, here comes the canoe. And as they beach it on the beach, out comes Johnny Lingo and Mahama. A brand new, radiant, standing, tall, gorgeous queen of the island. Because Mahama dared to believe that she was an eight-cow woman when her village said she was lesser than. I want you to know what Jesus says of you. I know some of you were raised in situations where you got told things that just echo in your ears. I told someone this week, I was raised in a relatively healthy home, and yet some phrases just stick with me to this day. I remember having a, a huge overbite as a little kid, just a monster overbite, and I'm talking monster overbite. We're talking I would stick apples on my face and walk around. And I thought it was funny, but I was really just deflecting my pain. You know how that works. But I remember words that were said to me before my folks could afford the braces, and I, and I was just the, I was thanking God I was a sprinter, and I was an athlete, and I was an adventurer, so I could fake it a little bit, but those words that were said to me with my buck teeth, man, they hurt. How much more for some of you in this room? Set your mind on things above. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. So Paul goes on to say, and don't put it up, I'll just read it to you again. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. So I want to give you a second takeaway here. That's just, it's, again, it's not pithy, but it's long, but I needed to say it in a sentence form. We need to set our minds on things above because in that realm we have nothing to prove nothing to gain and nothing to lose I want so badly for you to know so much and leave that up for a second we actually have people maybe take a picture of it or whatever you got to do but remember that The world is cruel, and no matter how high you climb, there's someone that wants to kick you down. There's no amount of celebrity, no amount of money, no amount of claim that can keep you away 
from the accuser of the brethren, and he will use flesh and blood anytime he can. I think one of the most sobering times for me to ever understand that was have you ever looked at football players or different people and you go my goodness man these guys they got the meal ticket from heaven I actually had been cheering hard against the Dallas Cowboys when I was a kid growing up I hated those guys even after I'm saved I don't really care for them no I'm kidding they're all right but I remember being a 49er fan and distinctly cheering against one quarterback in particular. And then I go to Denver, and I'm married to my bride. I go to Denver. I start a singles ministry, and uh, it starts blowing up in power. And this guy comes walking in, and he says, Hey, I've been coming here. I'm a backup, to, uh, I'm a backup here in, in the Broncos to John Elway. And he says, uh, I really enjoy this ministry, man. I'm looking forward to being a part. I said, yeah, who are you? He said, my name's Steve Pallour. And I'm like, oh, he was the quarterback for the Cowboys that I used to cheer that they would destroy. <laughs> and now he's standing right in front of me. He's bigger than me. He's tougher than me. And he's dating my bride's sister. He became my father and my brother-in-law. And Steve uh, had a couple of snow machines. He says, hey, man, you want to shoot up into the Rockies with me? I've got a, I got a free couple of days. I said, yeah, let's go. So we went way up above Timberline, just flying through the Colorado Rockies. After a couple hours of just riding hard, he said, hey, you want to take a break for lunch? I said, yes. We stopped, opened up the cooler, started eating. And I said, hey, man, talk to me about Texas Stadium and playing for Tom Landry that you young people don't know, but he was a really cool old quarterback, an old coach from way back in the day, wore the coolest fedora hat that you can imagine. He was a Christ follower as well, by the way, but uh, I said, what was that like, man? What was that like, Steve? And he says, you want to know really what it was like? I said, yeah. He said, you know what, Carl, the first couple of years were okay, but third year, man, the line was gone, and I mean, it was just brutal. I, I couldn't get the ball out of my hands. I started getting a little bit freaked out about how slick the ball was, and things were just, it just wasn't clicking. And he said, uh, let me tell you what it's like. One day, I ran out onto the rug at Texas Stadium, and I had 55,000 people boo me. And he said, it's still taking me some time to get over that. We need to set our mind on things above because in that realm, and in that realm alone, do we have nothing to prove, nothing to gain, nothing to lose. Only there. You know, I love this passage of Scripture because the setting of our mind on things above and knowing the transformations about knowing truth, you might say, well, well Carl, how important is it? Some people look at a verse like this and, and they, they, a phrase comes to mind, oh, you're so heavenly-minded, you're no earthly good. I need to be really honest with you and tell you, I used to say that, I don't believe that at all. I believe that if you're truly heavenly-minded, you are the greatest earthly good. From the bottom of my heart, I believe that. You know, Paul isn't asking us in this little passage that he penned to the church of Colossae 
to become irrelevant or disconnected from this world. The opposite is true. The way we stay radiant and contagious is to get all the information we need about the world, but receive our identification and our direction from God. We can't afford to get sucked into a losing mindset because it directs our life. I need you to know that what some of you are thinking about today will get lived out in your life tomorrow if not for the irrigating power of the truth of God's Word. How loved you are. How cared for you are. The fact that He has destined you to bear much fruit in your life. Yeah. The cause and effect of our thoughts and their direct impact on our lives are undeniable, guys. And there's no time to waste on this one. We need to deal a blow to the bullies and the spiritual forces of wickedness that are constantly whispering messages of defeat and deceit into our minds. It's time to think like a winner. I didn't know what to do with these next series of passages, so I held them. But I'm going to do something really different this week. I'm going to send you from Pastor Carl every morning when you wake up, you're going to have Texted to you how to think like a winner. One a day. I'm going to take a scripture passage and I'm going to crunch it down into a statement, but I'm going to also expand that passage into a text that you're going to receive. And all I'm asking you to do all week long, I'm going to send one Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. I'm just asking you to open those up and to take them before God and say, God, let the reality of what you think about me supersede what I've thought about me or what others have thought about me. That's all I ask you to do. You know, it's an interesting thing, but seeing yourself rightly and thinking the truth that is consistent with what God has made you to be and who he has designed you to be is sometimes blocked by everything that's grown up around us. All the years of words, all the years of uh, thoughts that have rattled around in our brain, right? I mean, the, the fact is, it's amazing what goes on in the battlefield of the mind, but sometimes, here's my great concern for you, is that you've grown so accustomed to the lies that you're living it out right now. No, I, I kid you not. Part of my life as a pastor, part of my calling is to help people identify what's inside them that they can't pick and see. And I want that for you. If there's one thing I want for you, if I were to get hit by a bus today, I need to quit using that metaphor. If there's one thing I want for you, it's for you to be living a life that's consistent with what Jesus sees in you. You're gifting, you're calling. Those of you that are in this first wave discipleship track we're heading there where you're going to start understanding and discerning and those of you that aren't in it right now don't sweat it we're going to get you in it soon enough but understanding who you are because here's why there's so much flawed thinking and lies and deceptions that happen from early childhood that's grown up around us we can't see the beauty of the reflection of what god sees in us 
And I'd venture to say right here, right now, even if you say to yourself, oh, I think I know who I am and, and this, but here, here's what I need you to know. Until you've gone on about a 30-day absolute fast from bad thinking and marinating in truth, I don't know that you know who you really are. Best way for me to illustrate this is take you to Mount McKinley, Alaska. One summer I was up there with my buddy Calvin, and we went all the way in. If you've ever been to Alaska and been into Mount McKinley National Park, you drive in a road. It's, I forget how far it is. I don't know, 70 miles, 30 miles. You go all the end of the road is Wonder Lake Campground. That's as far as you can go. We pulled in there and we pitched our tents, had campfires going, had s'mores that night. Next morning, I got up early and Calvin was wide awake. I said, man, you want to go get a line wet down in the lake? He says, let's go. I think we're about sixth graders. So we go down to the lake, just beautiful, perfectly calm, beautiful, man, mosquitoes aren't awake yet, it's just beautiful, man. Nothing's biting. So I look at Cal, I said, Cal, let's walk to the mountain, man, because we'd lived in Alaska long enough, we had adventured enough that we knew that there were some streams out there somewhere, and we just started walking, and we're walking, and we're beating on the grass, and we didn't have our bear bells with us, bear bells are what you walk around with in Alaska to keep the grizzly bears away from you so we didn't have the bear bells but we're beating on the grass and making noise and we're singing and we're marching along and all of a sudden whoa instinctively i took a giant step over something i'm like what is going on and i looked down and i peeled back all the grass and here was the most amazing thing i said cow look at this we pulled back all this tall grass and weeds and stuff and here was this pristine stream coming right off Mount McKinley, right through the National Park, and it was like a foot and a half wide. It was like five, six feet deep, and it was carved out of bedrock, so it ballooned out down below. And I got over the top of this, and I said, Cal, there's got to be some grayling, some beautiful fish with a long, tall dorsal fin, beautiful fish. And I said, there's got to be some grayling in here. So I tied on a dry fly, and I stood. How do you, how do you go fly fishing in a creek that's a foot and a half wide? You know, what do you do? Stand back 50 feet and try to aim for it? No, you stand over the top of it, you straddle that sucker, and you go doink. That's how you do it. Just drop the fly down on top of the water. I hit it, dry fly. Hit it second time. Dropped it third time. Bam! About scared this kid half to death. I'm like, whoa! And that grayling hit that fly, and that grayling's dancing around out of the creek, onto the grass, back into the creek, out of the creek, back into the I mean, it was just like, woo, we're having a good time. Me and Calvin fishing away. We were there sometime. It was an incredible day of fishing. But we almost missed the best thing. So we turned to walk away. We had panted down all those weeds and grass had now been beaten down, and now all that was there was that foot-and-a-half-wide crystal-clear stream and I looked down, and I said, Calvin, come here. And we got down on our hands and knees, two young boys, and we looked in there, and the most amazing thing, there was all 20-plus thousand feet of Mount McKinley and little old Calvin and little old Carl all reflected right there in that little bit. Some of you don't know who you really are because of the weeds 
and the words and the thought patterns of years have grown up and clouded who you pristinely are in your relationship with Christ. That huge God loved you so much that he not only sent his son, but when the son died and you received salvation, our Father sees you through the scrim of the red blood of Jesus Christ. You are covered. And it's time for you to start thinking like it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you today, Lord, come on up here, David. Father, I ask you to just uh, be working in hearts in this room. I just want to ask you to stay really still here for a second. Keep your head down. I want to ask you to do an exercise here just quickly. I want you to identify the biggest lie about you that has held you back. I want you to own it. We're going to go into all things new here in a minute, bud. I want you to think about that thing right now. What is it? Think about it. You might say, well, Pastor Carl, I've spent years trying to not think about it. No, I want you to think about it. I want you to think about it. I want you to think about the harshest words ask you to do something very different I want you to at the same time think of the most arrogant thought you've had <laughs> at the same time the lowest of lows and the highest of highs and I want the one who makes all things new to pull back the weeds from the vision that he wants to give you Set your mind on things above, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. You got nothing to prove. You got nothing to gain, nothing to lose. And being confident of who you are in Christ is what really matters most. to cleanse my friends, those online and those here in the auditorium. I'm asking that you would miraculously cleanse them of anything that is clouding them thinking the truth of who they are in you. We renounce all lies from childhood, from bosses, from old boyfriends, and the list goes on. We renounce them all in Jesus' name right now. You got no authority over these folks. None. None. Get out of here. You are gone. Gone. 
Father, I pray too that we would release, that we would release those that we love from any prideful thoughts so that we could truly love them well. Release us of everything, Lord. Take away the weeds. Let us see you clearly. I give you praise, God.